guys, welcome to Surrender, where we on episode four, where we are talking about choices and temptation and sin today. So, what we are going to talk about today is we're really going to look at Romans six one through fourteen, and to really understand what Paul is saying in these messages, we actually need to look at who Paul was and. And why Paul did the things he did or wrote the way he did and said what he did. And when it really comes down to it, Paul's known for being a realist. He's not known for pulling punches. He's he's known for just saying what needs to be said and how it needs to be said. Um, and even when he writes his letters to Gentiles, the churches, the Jewish people, um, he doesn't pull punches, right? So Paul was a Pharisee at one point. He was educated um, in, in he often comes off as an intimidating person and part of that is because of the way we talk about him is the way he writes but it's also when we look at his past right because Paul's past was really to arrest the Jewish the followers of Christ and and, and even have him killed at some points right so when we look at who Paul was he comes off as this intimidating mean unapproachable person and then realistically, when we look at a verse like a couple of verses like Second Corinthians ten ten through eleven, and it says, "For some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive, and his speaking amounts to nothing." Such people should be realized that we are in our our letters when we are absent; we will be in our actions when we are present. And really, what's being said here is. Paul probably wasn't as intimidating as we think he was, right? When I think of Paul and the stuff he did, and I read the letters, and, and he's willing to call somebody out in a letter, he, he comes off as this powerful, impactful person, which he was, but he also has a sense of um, intimidation. He has a sense of, you're wrong, I'm right, I'm on fire for God, and you're really not doing that right now. And it's really as if Paul himself is even, or whoever wrote Corinthians is telling us, he's not as intimidating as person. In fact, in person, when you see him, he's probably very underwhelming. Yet, Paul's credited for writing 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, right? We have more information about Paul than we do really a lot of the other people in the Bible. And, and that's not a bad thing, right? Like, Paul spread the gospel message probably farther across the world than any of the disciples did that were with Jesus. And Paul's really the first person, when you read it, that is specifically given the mission of spreading the message to the Gentile people, to all the non-Jewish people. And I think it's understand to understand who Paul writes, or who he is, and why he writes the way he does, is... He tends to hold people and churches accountable in his writings for their actions, right? So when we look at the verses in Romans 6, 1 through 14, and Paul is telling Jewish and Gentile Christians that we need to just not be mindful of the words we're saying, but the actions, right? In here he's talking about sin and grace and being dead and, and being dead to our old lives and being baptized in Christ and taking part in the Christ's death when we accept him and and all that stuff and when we look at it 
we kind of have to go back to, ch to chapter 5 for a minute and look at the last couple verses in chapter 5. Because this is kind of where we get into an idea here where we need to think about this. So in verse 20, 520, he says, The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all, all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through the righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's almost as if he's telling people we had to sin, and the more we sin, the more grace abounds, right? The, which really isn't a stretch when you think about it, right? When we think about it, we think, well, God has to show more grace if there's more sin in the world. And that's actually not what Paul's saying. And then the very next verse in chapter 6, 1, he says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live any longer in it? Or, do, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live in a new life. Now, all of my readings for the most part come through ESV, and that's just because of the training I've gone through, my personal preference, but you can read it in any, any translation you want. It's going to say the same thing, right? So I really want to talk about this because this verse, these verses that I just read, um, which were the first four verses of chapter 6, we, we're so used to a world where we're encouraged to sin or we're told to take it, take advantage of us and, and, and they're not your, us, but, um, make yourself happy, whatever it takes to make yourself happy. Go ahead, do it. Right. That's what we're sold. We're so used to doing. And that's not what Paul's saying. What Paula is doing is he's actually asking us to look at ourselves, take a hard look at ourselves, right? Should we continue to live a life of actively and willfully sinning? And that's the main question for today, right? Is is regardless of what we think as as followers of Christ, we know there's more to this. Right? So in these first really 14 verses of chapter 6. Paul's writing to people who are living in Rome. And at the time, Christians and Gentiles and, and Jewish people are doing what they have to to kind of fly under the radar of the Roman government, right? They're, they're trying not to cause trouble. So in their homes, in secret, they're worshiping God. But in public, they're doing whatever the Romans ask them to. They're taking part in Romans ceremonies, pagan ceremonies, They'll, they'll make offers to the Roman gods, goddesses, deities. But they're really following, they're, they're really only worshiping Jesus and, and God in private in their homes and trying not to cause a big scene because they don't want to be persecuted against. They don't want to be killed. They don't want to, whatever it is. Um, and this goes back to, you know, the, 
history of the Hebrew people, right? Um, where no matter where they go, they've they've always kind of had to blend in a little bit. But I won't. I want to really want to think about um, these verses and and the people who are living in Rome and they're trying to blend in and not cause trouble. Um, and they think, and probably rightfully so in their mind, and and I think some of us do today too, right? That we, by showing that grace, God gives us grace regardless of what we do, we assume that people around us are going to understand that too, right? And I don't think that's what Paul is saying here. Um, in fact, Paul's saying the opposite, right? So, and throughout his journeys, Paul's missionary journeys, he's in, he's trying to impress the importance of that we can't live two lives. We can't live two secret lives, right? And we need to be more like him. And this is a continuous process, right? And one of the things that stands out in this verse is that Paul is telling the people that we are baptized in Jesus' death, right? Like, it's not two separate acts. Like, when we accept Christ into our lives, we actually participate in his death and his resurrection, which is a really hard thing for us, some people, to understand. But there's not, like, a magic key to all this stuff, right? So Douglas Moo writes, Moo writes in this um Many are searching for a magic key which will open for them a life constantly filled with victory over sin. Right? There's no magic key. Right? Um, when we die and we take part in those that, that death of Christ and the, the resurrection and we kind of let our old selves die and our new self is supposed to be more, more Christ-like than, than not. What we need to think about is we need to change the way we're thinking about sin, right? More we sin, not we don't necessarily, God doesn't necessarily show his grace doesn't show up more the more we sin. In fact, I think it does the opposite. And I think that's what Paul was saying too, right? So what he's doing in these verses, is he's actually helping us change our viewpoint of sin and how we should view our fight against sin. Right, so Paul is making a point that we need to change our our viewpoint. And as Christians, we are no longer fighting sin from a position of loss, but we're fighting it from a position of victory. So the way I think of it is, think of it as a championship team or a championship player that has they're playing from the top, the number one player, the number one team. Their their targets on their back, right? And the more we the more we try to emulate Christ, then the closer we get to Christ, the harder it is for us. And we need to remind ourselves, <clears throat> sin is no longer in control of our lives. And it doesn't mean that we don't sin. But we, Paul is telling us we, need, we should be aware of us willfully committing sin. And if that's watching something we're not supposed to watch, like porn, or we're gossiping, or we're looking at women if you're a guy and you're or a woman now and or another person you're married and you're looking at somebody else and you and you're looking at them with other intentions in your head than what um you should 
those are the things we need to be mindful of and watch. And that's what Paul's telling us, right? Like, we can't willfully just go out and do whatever. We we need to be careful. And I'm not usually a fan of the message re- version, um, but he does really kind of... Eugene Peterson does this really... He does paraphrase verses 12 and 14 really well. And what he says is, this means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Right? Like, it seems obvious when you read it, but are you letting sin rule your life? Right? Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with it, with that old way of life. Like, when we accept Christ, we need to wholeheartedly, as he says, and become a full-time member in that life, right? We need to remember all the time that we've been raised from the dead, right? Like, we participate in Jesus' resurrection. We are now in God's way of doing things, right? Sin can't tell you how to live. Right? We're We're not living in sin anymore. Sin is no longer our master. You know, here in those verses, Paul is even trying to get those living in Rome at the time to change their viewpoint of not just looking at sin, but what are they doing? Like, how are we as Christians and how are they as Christians really living their lives? Right? What happens when you're on top and sin is no longer in control? For me, that reading this and doing the the study on something that I'm going to preach on in a couple weeks anyways was amazing because it changed the way I thought about it, right? It's making me more mindful of what I'm doing. Now, that doesn't mean I don't do things I'm not supposed to once in a while. It doesn't mean I don't sin every once in a while because I do. I'm human. That's what we do, right? God understands that. Jesus understands that. Paul understood that. What Paul's trying to do is make us think about what we're doing though. Those moments where we have control or we're tempted, what are we doing in those times? Right? Paul's telling us to stop giving sin an opportunity. Instead, we need to stop when we're tempted and turn away from it and present ourselves to God and confess or ask Him for help. Keep our focus on God. Right, and there's a couple of things we can we can do um, spiritually, physically, and one of those is keep our focus on Jesus. Right, spend time in prayer, confession. Um, those are things that we can spiritually do. Right, be aware. Right, ask God for wisdom at the beginning of the day to help discern from. Uh, a sinful temptation, and what's the right thing to do? Because we all have our temptations. We all have that one thing that sin is always going to throw on our face or is always going to tempt us with and hang over our heads. And that's not what's being said here. Right? We need to, We need to give that and lay that at the cross, and lay that at the feet of Jesus, lay that at God, because he can take it. 
And then when it comes to physical stuff, there's tools we have, right? Like we can we can spend time in prayer, which is both physical and um, spiritual. You can spend time in a devotional, join small groups, find somebody who's going to hold you accountable, regardless of who that is. It can be a wife, counselor, friend, uh, co-worker. Um, for me as a youth pastor, I have students that call me out. They will call you me out in a heartbeat if I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing or they see me do something. Or uh, last week in youth group, um, we were talking about me getting ready to preach and uh, they all called me out because I stopped myself from cussing or letting a word slip out that shouldn't have slipped out. And they all looked at me and like, you know, you almost said something yours. I said, yeah I know it, it happens right like sometimes we get in the moment we say something we do something we hear something um, we act in a certain way um, and even this week we talked about about favoritism and how James calls really compares favoritism to a sin and we need to look at all that stuff and and be aware and that's where God's really laid on my heart lately is are you aware of what you're doing? Are you aware when you're sinning? Are you aware when you're not paying attention to what's going on? And um, and and to close this out in a minute, I really want to go back to this idea that Paul's saying that we died in Christ and we're we're, and we participate in Christ we die with Christ and we're raised with Christ and Christ says um, tells us to pick up our crosses and follow him and deny ourselves. right it says in Matthew 16 24 and 26 and he says he tells his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? He's talking about temptation, guys. He's talking about denying that old... Self that lived in temptation, that let temptation rule us, that let sin rule us. He's talking about it. And Jesus knows what it's like. Because he spent time in the desert being tempted. So the challenge for all of us is to continually learn to be more Christ-like. And it is a continual process. And Paul's telling us that through this. Right? Like we are going to continually have to fight against sin. There's no way to get around it, right? Grace isn't, the grace that God gives us isn't free. Like there's a cost to it and that cost is us taking the hard look at our lives and giving in and, and giving that old way up to God, to giving that old way up to Christ, to to continually trying to be more Christ-like and learn and become him. And we'll never completely get there, but we can do the best we can. 
and that's my challenge for you guys for this week is take time, take a hard look at yourself, write it down somewhere. You know, what's that one temptation that always gets you? What's that one sin that always gets you? Write it down, stare it in the face, and every morning before you do anything, ask God for the wisdom to not do that. So I will pray this out real quick, and I will see you, I will talk to you guys next week. Father God, thank you for the lessons that we get from the Bible. Thank you for Paul. Thank you for the lesson for him being a realist. And the, and the messages he can give. Thank you for son and the opportunity that we get to participate in that death and resurrection by denying our old selves and giving that up to sin. Giving that sinful life up to you. Amen.